Howdy, y'all. I'm Sam Gordon, alongside my co-host and self-proclaimed venture pharmacist, Brandon Ocean. Today is Wednesday, February 9th in beautiful Austin, Texas, and we've got a great episode for you guys. Yeah, well said. Pleasure to be alongside you, Sam, here today. As mentioned, we've got some great stories to cover. First things first, Future, a virtual personal training app, just raised a $75 million Series C from the likes of J.J. Watt, Kevin Durant, and many other notable athletes. In other news, Peloton shares have skyrocketed this week after hitting pre-pandemic lows as founder and CEO John Foley steps down amidst a 2,800-person layoff. But at least those employees get a year-free subscription of Peloton, right? Yeah, that's right. And I got to say, in other news, Wander, an exciting startup poised to change the way we travel and work, just raised a huge $20 million round, brand new company, excited to talk about that. And lastly, Syndicate just raised a load of cash to democratize venture investing through Dow infrastructure. Uh, a lot of buzzwords there, but we're excited to get into them. Buzz, buzz. <laughs> <laughs> Is he here, kid? You gotta just go for it. Don't think about what comes after or what came before. You just gotta bend your knees, take a deep breath, and jump. This is Venture Pill with your hosts, Sam and Brandon. We're here to prescribe you your weekly dose of venture capital and startup news to keep you informed in the evolving world of venture. All right, good to be back. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in the world of venture. So we wanted to update everyone on a couple of startups that recently raised a new round, highlight a couple of companies that we're really excited about and just just riff as we do. With that, yeah, I'd love, love to just start it off with a personal favorite company of mine, Future, Future Fit. We're partial to it because they are an alumni ventures portfolio company, specifically with Congress Avenue Ventures. Excited to see them raise their Series C. Uh, $75 million round, huge round. Huge. Likes of investors, JJ Watt, KD, through his venture firm, 35 Ventures. 35 Ventures is so cool. There, yeah. As a side note, that's awesome. Pretty sick, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, love to see athletes get in on it. And, I mean, they're providing value just just with their name. Yeah. JJ Watt, KD. And Future's whole thing, as, as you know, I've been using them for seven months now, and they... They want to train regular people like, you know, professional athletes. So all their trainers on their app, kind of virtual training app, are former or even current professional or college trainers. So That's really cool. Pretty sick. And so just bringing that level of, I guess, expertise to the masses. So just from the consumer side, as, as a potential consumer of the future app, is it, one, what's the pricing like? And two... Does it have like a whoop type thing where you're tracking your workouts and mm -hmm. all those so, specifics you like to follow? Yeah, so you actually are required to have an Apple Watch. If you don't have one, they'll send one to you and you basically oh. rent it from them, which is kind of cool. That's and, cool. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of cool. And they use it for the heart rate tracking and things like that. Um, and the cost is a little bit pricey, but you compare it more to a personal trainer rather than like a gym subscription. Right. And so I'll just use it in my apartment gym. It's 150 a month. So it's pretty pricey, but you basically, it, it puts your workouts on autopilot. The way I like to think about it, like busy people, if you don't want to think about what your workout's going to be, 
you just stick to the schedule. They're motivating you. They're texting you every day. You can do video cool. calls with them. I really like it. That's cool. I really like it. Yeah. Something you see yourself continuing to pay for the subscription for? Yeah, I think so. Although I did get some free credits. Nice. Um, by referring some friends. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what so, it's all about. Yeah. So. That's what it's um, all about. But just good to see them continue to grow and just kind of selfishly as a consumer and from an investor standpoint, like really excited to see them take yeah. that next step. As as a guy who takes his fitness pretty seriously, that's definitely oh, yeah. something that I'm excited to track and kind of, as a venture capital fan, also see how, if they do a Series D down the line or just how their fundraising efforts continue. Exactly. But while we're on the topic of digital fitness workout type apps and monthly subscriptions especially, uh, we would be remiss to not discuss the news recently with Peloton. Yeah. So for our listeners who may not know, recently, I think it was this week or maybe last end of last week, uh, CEO and founder John Foley stepped down and that was really the end result of months of, if you followed their stock, just absolutely tanking from yeah. pre-COVID levels. And I will say that now makes it Peloton, Zoom, and a couple other of those COVID stocks that I feel like in this... 2020 end of 2021 beginning of 2022 period have like dipped to even worse than pre-covid levels which is obviously not the type of growth you'd like to see for these companies that were skyrocketing in early and mid covid but nonetheless they're undergoing a major pivot point right now as they obviously replace john foley who stepped down with a former Spotify and Netflix. So more ex really great experience in subscription, digital, you know, Media, building a yeah. fan base, or not a fan base, but a solid subscription base. Uh, former executive Barry McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's smart. And we saw the stock uh, really skyrocketed there. I think it was a couple days ago. We're recording this on the 9th. I think it was, was it yesterday or the day before? I think it's been this week. It's it's Wednesday, the fe February 9th. I think Monday and Tuesday, both days, it's been 20% yeah. up. Yeah, incredible. I mean, it's it's a big change. And not to mention 2,800 people laid off. Yeah. So, I mean, but obviously shareholders, investors are liking the prospects of the future. The, it's a good, necessary change. John Foley, I was personally a big fan of his. Of his really thought highly of him as a founder yeah. leading a great company, but it's a new stage. I, I think everyone thought highly of him. He was, you know, the leader of such a disruptive, you know, everyone, my mom instantly got a Peloton. I, and similar to what you were saying about future, I really enjoyed Peloton because I would have a 15 minute gap. Let's say I have lunch for an hour mm -hmm. and I want to work out abs and legs real quick. Peloton, like I don't have to even think, I literally get one dumbbell maybe and follow the leader, you know, Simon Says essentially for 15, 30 minutes and all of a sudden I have this great efficient workout. Yeah. So Peloton was awesome. I think something I've seen that is just a lot of, a lot of mismanagement is what's kind of um, driven the stock down and the public outlook on it. Um, yeah. But I think, so let's, let's speculate a little bit about why the, why the shares have skyrocketed so high. From a high level, as controversial as Peloton stock and everything has been, they've got a loyal subscription base of about 3 million consumers and still growing, I'd say. At least, you know, not necessarily everyone has a bike or a treadmill, but just their subscription monthly classes. My healthcare plan gives me a free yearly subscription. Yeah. I haven't used it, but... <laughs> 
I'm loyal to future, so right. no. But and you're right; it's growing. I think really what it comes down to is they're trimming some of the fat. They're repositioning for maybe an acquisition coming, maybe I, just a new chapter of growth. It remains to be seen, but yeah. just a repositioning. And I think you're right. I mean, Barry coming in with that expertise from Spotify. Right. And Netflix, the streaming, the media, the subscription platform, I think it's really smart. And that's what the signal was to investors. I agree. And I think to, to, to speculate even further, like the specific reason for these, this, this recent skyrocketing of the share prices is there are major rumors of some future acquisition down the line because we've, we've just highlighted all the pros and all the good things Peloton has going for it. Obviously, there are negatives that we've also covered, but... What company do we think would you know put in the biggest bid? I think I I know or it's it's common knowledge that Apple has been kind of transcending into the health fitness space for yeah. years now, probably a decade already. And mm-hmm. Apple Watch is a major kind of step in that direction too. But they, they would love that you know to get involved in that sense of that one almost seems too obvious. The argument against that is that Apple doesn't make big acquisitions. I think. I might be wrong on this, but I think their biggest acquisition was like a billion dollars beats. Mm, like they don't make big acquisitions. They have so much cash they could. I don't know. It, it seems to make a lot of sense. Yeah. The brands kind of align really well. It would fit right into the Apple Fitness Plus. I believe for reference, I saw that the current valuation for Peloton is roughly $12 billion. So obviously you need a company that's got quite Jeez, a lot of that dropped. Cut. It was like in the 40s. But still, 12 billion isn't chump change. Like you need a company that has a lot of free flowing cash around, yeah. which Apple certainly does. I think another one that makes sense is like a Nike, Adidas. Like mm-hmm. that would really be pivoting their their general bread and butter industry, but similar fitness act, stay active and. In terms of being able to merge like Peloton with the Nike merchandise, let's say, or Adidas, yeah, I think uh, it'll be really interesting to see. Um, and you know, Barry McCarthy has. Let's see it, Barry. Let's yeah. see it, Barry. Let's see, he, let's see what he does here. Okay. Yeah. No. Moving on. We both really were excited to see Wander raise a really impressive round today. They announced it. Wander, you may have seen it on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, it might be a new name to you, but it's essentially this Airbnb competitor. They may or may not be positioning themselves as such, but essentially they are a company that owns Airbnb-like properties, homes in cool spots, and they own the whole process from top to bottom. And that's like their key differentiator is that their homes have predictable high-speed internet, you know what you're getting into. Every home has a Tesla in the parking lot or the garage, so cool. which is sick. Um, they're in beautiful locations. Yeah. Out west, they have a few, like in Tahoe, Joshua Tree, really cool spots, and they have really awesome work from home setups. And so, not to mention really fitness cool. fitness center in every right. spot. So it's like high end. It's built for the modern worker. This kind of work life blending thing and. And they raised a really great round. They've been going at it for a little bit. This is really going to accelerate their growth. They have to actually buy new homes. And so they're kind of limited in the growth in that sense. But the hype is certainly real. I myself became a founding member, which sounds really cool. But all it was (laughs) is I found it on Twitter. I paid a hundred bucks and got a cool (laughs) sweatshirt. And uh, first hundred bucks, you know, that, that goes towards my first day. 
So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. But yeah. Yeah. And it's a, you know, always cool to say you were a founder, founding member. <laughs> so that's a resume booster. It'd be cool if these gyms and, you know, fitness centers that they offer had maybe a Peloton, maybe future. In fact, they do. They do. They have Peloton, at least in one of them, they have Peloton and Hydro, which okay. I'm a big Hydro guy. Yes. I noticed Hydro's in one of their cool. pictures, uh, they have those. So they know exactly what all like the kinds of people yeah, like they got young, their target market. young remote workers who want to work and play a little bit, but they want to you know get some work done, really while they're while yeah. they're traveling. I, I think you know that's great context provided by you there, and just to expand on that real really quick, Airbnb is I mentioned those companies Zoom, Peloton, whatever that have really boomed during COVID. Airbnb has sustained that booming volume um, throughout COVID. And there has been a massive trend emerging of business leisure, leisure for short, if you, you know, want to sound cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is essentially people who work from home, either full time or have a hybrid model type thing or something in between where they can travel every other weekend or one weekend a month to work from Colorado one weekend, California the next and Maine the, you know, the next month. And that's definitely an emerging trend. I'm curious how much of Airbnb's market Wander is kind of hoping to bite into because obviously that's not all Airbnb offers. Like Airbnb is great for people that want a cheap apartment in Miami for spring break too. You know, they're not only catering to the business, leisure, you know, work from home market. So I kind of like that Wander has found this specific niche. Mm -hmm. I'm curious the actual like total addressable market of it, but... Yeah, no, I like where your where your head's at on this. I was just thinking, like, I don't actually think they're competitors. Uh, I think what Wander's doing isn't a replacement or a competitive threat necessarily to Airbnb, although they may, and I think both can kind of ride this wave of leisure. Um, yeah. Is that what it was, leisure yeah. and, and remote work? I mean, you see Brian Chesky, Airbnb founder and CEO, announced he's just going to be living in yeah. Airbnbs for that. the time being, two weeks here. <laughs> Two weeks there. That's, I think it's sick. That's awesome. But I think it is a separate thing because with Wander, it's these high-end experiences where you know what you're getting with each one. Whereas right. with Airbnb, it's kind of the vibe, like the value of the vibe of it is you're getting something different everywhere and you're getting immersed in the culture. Right. It's not a standardized thing. A lot of variables. In and I mean, it's, it's providing people a way to rent out their space. Which is a whole, I mean, that's how it started. Rent out, right. yeah, you know, couch surfing. Right. This is owned by Wander and they own the whole experience. I don't think they'll really butt heads. Maybe down the road if Wander really grows to where they want it to be. But right now they have four properties, literally. You know, even if, I think if they grew to 20, 50, 100, I mean, that's so little in comparison yeah, it's to Airbnb. It's a higher point. end, kind of different experience. Yeah, that's well said. I'm honestly curious what the, pricing for wander is because you know a thing with airbnb is also in some instances it just makes sense to do that instead of a hotel or any kind of conventional vacation stay you would have and obviously with leisure that does imply like staying in a really nice hotel with a conference center and printer you know all the bells and whistles you might want to have a good work from home setup so i'm curious how the pricing will kind of evolve over time but i, I do think also like you said airbnb i think yeah, there's a lot of ratings at this point, and you kind of know, you, sh you generally know what you're getting yourself into, but you never know, like, 
you don't know with absolute certainty the experience that you will have there. Maybe there's a neighbor somewhere. You know, there are so many factors, I feel like, that could positively or negatively influence your stay. So I kind of like with Wander, ideally, you know what you're getting and it is executed, you know, perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, think, I think that's their key differentiator. And I did look at the pricing a little bit. It was more expensive and that's kind of been the main kind of you get pushback. a Tesla. Yeah, which is sick. I've never gotten to drive one before. So, no, I'm definitely wanting to get out and, and see what one is actually like. Yeah. Maybe we head out there and do some podcasting. That'd be sweet. Looks like they had In some sick mic setups. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but anyway, what I was saying is you should follow them on Twitter. The CEO and founder is a Thiel uh, fellow, John Andrew Entwistle. Mm. They're a small team, like literally 10 people maybe. I think they're going to be hiring like crazy, sure. growing slowly. And yeah, it's, it's just a higher end. I, now I remember what I was going to say is the, the pushback was, hey, this is expensive. Their goal is to make travel accessible and really ride this wave and provide people with ways to work in really nice places. Yeah. Um, they said they're going to drive the cost down, which makes sense. They're yeah. just starting. Maybe there will be some sort of economies of scale. Uh, we'll I mean, see. Yeah. I think it's interesting that they fully like own and operate the properties too. Like That is another differentiator from Airbnb and obviously affects the pricing model as such. But just thinking to myself, like Wander kind of seems like the culmination of Airbnb, let's say, Turo, because you get a free nice car. Yeah. Not free, but included car and Peloton or Future, like all of these kind of companies yeah. that we talk about and are so popular in the venture startup space, Wander just kind of brings all together and puts on, you know, an expensive but a platter for you. So does, I, yeah. like, I like the sound of it and we'll yeah. be keeping tabs on it. It is that. a cool company. We will certainly be keeping tabs and yeah. providing any updates we see. We shall see. But the uh, main company we wanted to talk about as our beef of the episode, if you will, <laughs> Syndicate. Uh, Syndicate is a really innovative company, Web3 native kind of company, and that it's really riding this recent wave of DAOs and investing. Their goal is to fundamentally revolutionize how the world creates value. That's their tagline there on the website. That's I think a that's, a, claim. that's a lofty <laughs> claim that is a broad goal, having only been a, around for a year. But then you look at their list of investors. They were recently backed by Andreessen Horowitz, Kleiner Perkins. I'm looking at the list here. Coinbase Ventures, 35, there it is, KD. Yes. Hook'em Horns, <laughs> Alexis Ohanian, Packy McCormick, Snoop Dogg. Snoop. D-O-G. D-O-G. Personally, I make sure to invest alongside Kevin Durant at all times possible. I, yeah. Uh, whenever I can, I The Slim them. Reaper getting yeah. in on the action. I mean, they're, they're just truly betting on kind of this ever-changing venture investing landscape combined with the influx of Web3 and decentralization. Right. Democratizing access. I could say all these so many buzzwords. Buzz yeah, <laughs> buzz, buzz, buzz. We need like a, we need like a sound effect. Buzz, buzz. Like <laughs> <laughs> for, for all these. I mean, but it's true. That's their mission. They're building infrastructure to enable anyone to invest in different things, whether it be startups, NFTs, tokens, you know, crypto. Right. So it's kind of interesting. They're backed by traditional VC, mm -hmm. yet they're trying to change the whole Z VC model. So it's kind of this little meta situation going yeah. on. Uh, <laughs> so maybe we can rift on that a little bit later. But just wanted to take you through 
a little bit more detail of what exactly they're offering. So decentralized investing and social network protocols. So there's this social feature that's going to allow them to offer investing vehicles to social groups and they can just pool capital together as we've seen with DAOs recently right. and efficiently and legally invested into say startups. Um, I think that's really what they're looking to revolutionize is to be able to uh, allow people to invest in startups. So with that advanced legal technology to make sure that's good to go, I think they register you as a Delaware C Corp, all that hubba baloo, yeah, you know, uh, so they take care of that. Smart. And next generation social networking platform that empowers communities to raise and invest capital like never before. So that kind of sums it up nicely. Their first product allows anyone to start investing syndicate on Ethereum. So it's all Ethereum based and all it costs to set it up is just the cost of gas, which can be a lot, but it's interesting. They claim it's actually 1200 times less expensive than traditional methods of starting a syndicate. Which I believe like that, you know, it's starting a syndicate or opening a fund is, you know, you, there's a certain hundreds of thousands, maybe yeah. millions required. I mean, they say 12K on average is what you'd be looking at for Ethereum gas fees. So 1200, yeah, I don't even want to do that math, but <laughs> it's, it's obviously innovative. Yeah. Um, and they want to also get away from this location-based investing where it's like only Silicon Valley, certain cities, like Boston, that. geographies, when in reality the internet has opened up the world, but has it opened up opportunity for everybody equally just yet? I don't think we're anywhere near that. And so Syndicate is looking to open up opportunity for entrepreneurs around the world to get access to capital like someone who would be in Silicon Valley. So I think that's amazing. You'll be able to create your own investment club. So maybe it's something we work towards, yeah. you know, with our group of buddies. We want to raise a syndicate fund and invest it in some real estate with our with our guys who are doing that or some startups. I think it's really cool. Yeah. But this all leads into kind of the discussion around accreditation laws. Right. They claim so. So with syndicate, if you're starting one with your say it's us, you know, our group of buddies, we can invest in things like. NFTs, tokens, even if we're not uh, accredited. But let's say we wanted to do startups. Every member of that syndicate has to currently be an accredited investor, mm -hmm. which you are. <laughs> let's go uh, working towards it. But, you know, there's a lot of conversation around these accreditation laws. And they say they're working towards changing the rule about accreditation and stay tuned. I don't know. It's exciting to think about. It's so cool. There, there are so many little bits and pieces there that I wanted. Like I, my mind kind of started going off in different directions. From what I remember, and you know, please help me jot my memory. But surface level, love the idea of spreading out venture capital because it is so concentrated in Silicon Valley, Northeast, few other places maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's kind of aligned with Alumni Ventures, which we're both affiliated with, which is just the general mission of making venture capital more accessible to mm -hmm. individuals, not this behind closed doors institutional money thing that it has been up until very recently. So this is right on par with that. I think that's awesome. In terms of accreditation, I kind of personally think, and I hate to be this guy, I'm not trying to be like I'm accredited or whatever, but, Ooh. I know, but, <laughs> but, but I think like 
venture capital, given the nature of it, should be should be an accredited, you know, in some sorts. And I'm not, you know, I'm not accredited because of the money, not even close. <laughs> it's just because I, it's just, yeah, not yet. We're working, we're working on that. But it's just because I, you know, got whatever licenses are required. But I feel like, well, to track it back to last episode, we were talking about how retail money has been so all over the place lately. And at least with stocks in general, and this is such a blanket statement, but like at least those aren't gonna boom or bust. Like you might just lose 20%, you might gain 20%. And yeah, if you timed GameSpot at the good or bad time, you gained a shit ton or lost everything. But venture capital by nature is like, you invest in five startups, two of them within the first five years will go to nothing because something went wrong. Mm -hmm. And one of them might might hit it big, Yeah. but like it'd be good if it just breaks even. So I just feel like venture capital is kind of a, segment that should have a little bit of a differentiator like not just people on reddit or on this social networking protocol or discord whatever it is like just putting their money in because i think it could get messy yeah no i think you're right there is some balance that i hope regulators will come to where maybe the testing is a little less challenging i know you grinded your ass off on that and i mean it's tough for a reason but just to play devil's advocate there a little bit, I mean, you don't have to be accredited to invest in shit coins or NFTs that are mostly going to go to zero. Yeah. They have kind of it's the true. same dynamics as venture capital. And it's like, I don't know, maybe there's some sort of testing that we can agree on that's a little bit less rigorous, but essentially make sure that the, that the person understands the risks associated with venture investing. I agree. I, I wonder if, you know, I feel like as new as venture capital is, if, if venture capital is like relatively new, then all this crypto stuff is so like the tip, yeah. like, you know, a spec, a, a little blip on the radar in terms of, you know, public investing sectors. But yeah, no, I mean, you are right. Like there's plenty of other investments made. Options are crazy risky, mm-hmm. you know, so there, there are plenty of things that yeah. kids on Robinhood just put whatever money into and don't even know the consequences. So that is well advocated for the devil by you there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, and nonetheless, like, I think this is super interesting. I think definitely something you and I should check out. And I, I mean, just continuing the trend of conventional financial systems, like slowly migrating. And I, you know, we both love it. Like we're, we're on the right side of this, I hope, but migrating towards these new web three crypto disruptive fintech you know buzz 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 type of thing but yeah yeah, it's it's really exciting and that's another thing we're just gonna have to keep tabs on certainly yeah so i mean it's just amazing to look back 10 years and then look ahead 10 years and think like what what is venture capital investing even even gonna look like are individuals like us gonna be aping into startups like i i kind of hope so yeah i mean i hope so I, I hope so too like i i like in theory investing in a startup that has a mission and a business model more than you know buying a virtual ape not to not to hit on nfts i'm, I'm not you know i love nfts myself in their own regard yeah but at surface level i like the idea of investing in an innovative startup more than this twitter bubbling 
community. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe it, but <laughs> I like I like the idea of everyday people getting involved in startup investing. Definitely. Yeah. It's just a, another cool DAO-centric com- company. I think this one is, I don't know if it's not technically a DAO itself, but it's leveraging DAOs. If you don't know what a DAO is, decentralized autonomous organization. Just It's like an LLC, but it's community-driven. It allows people to all have a say in what the organization does. Right. And I think that's a really cool way to raise money and invest in startups. I agree. I hope we can do this some sometime soon. It would be a really fun way to invest some money. And I think maybe this is how we wrap up the episode today is like this this blending of Web3, NFTs, DAOs, crypto with venture capital is like is so prominent right now. Yeah. Like venture all the top companies you're hearing about, like Syndicate, most of them I think are in some way related to Web3. Even Wander is like wanting to offer crypto as payment and yeah. these other things. Web3 is just making its way in. I think it's finally turned the corner, at least in the eyes of venture capital firms and private equity, of something super speculative and risky, which it still is, but to something that's a little more sexy now. Now it's like, okay, this is inevitably going to be the way of the future one way or the other. So I want a sliver of this pie that is Web3, DAO, you know, that whole general blanket of crypto evolution. So, yeah, which is really exciting. I don't want to speak for you, but I've been reading up on and like just following and loving crypto for probably half a decade at this point, which makes me feel old to say. I don't oh, know. There you are a geezer. There aren't many things that I've followed for half a decade. <laughs> you honestly. are a crypto geezer. But it's just finally, it's cool for it to become something that is finally taking the main stage, I feel like, and mm-hmm. getting brought up in the news one way or the other every day. Some good, some bad, but... Same thing happens with the stock market. Same thing happens with real estate. Same thing happens with every established boomer financial product and system in in history. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for your next dose of startups and venture capital on VenturePill. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little low-key, okie-dokie, that's alright, but...